This past week, there began the start of the European Championships. Now, I know we're in football country here in Alabama, but the rest of the world is paying attention to this little thing called soccer. And the European Championships are like the World Cup. They happen every four years, and it's when countries send their national teams to come play. The fun thing about the European Championships is that Though most of the time these powerhouse nations end up winning, every once in a while there will be a small little nation that will make a run to the finals or maybe even win it. So every team goes into the tournament with some hope that they could win. And along with the hope, there's also some competitiveness. Believe it or not, some countries don't like each other, and that spills out into their sports. And so there's rivalry in the midst of national pride. And one of the first games was between Finland and Denmark. And being near in geographical location and close in skill level, the rivalry between these two countries was quite high. So the game went underway and the fans were chanting back and forth. There were finally fans back in the stadium. It was this joyous, competitive event. And one player stood out from the rest. His name was Christian Eriksen. He played for Denmark, and he had kind of that superstar status. If you follow soccer anywhere in the world, you know who Christian Eriksen is. He was truly the hope of the whole nation of Denmark for them to do well. But about 30 minutes into the game, something strange happened. Eriksen seemingly fell down for no reason. And immediately the players around him signaled to the medical professionals to come out quick. Erickson was in cardiac arrest. No one knew what was happening. They just knew he was unresponsive. And so the Denmark players created a shield with their bodies to block out the cameras to try to give some privacy to those who are working to save Erickson's life and to protect him and his family. Finland fans, when they... When they realized what was happening, when they realized the seriousness of what was going on, the Denmark fans began throwing their country's flags from the stands onto the field so that the Denmark players could create a wall of privacy to protect the dignity of Ericsson and those working. So as Ericsson is eventually stretchered off the field, he's flanked by not only the red jerseys of Denmark players, but also the white and blue flags of Finland, providing a shield to protect him. I believe that's the work of the Spirit in the world. The Spirit which points us ultimately to that call to love God and to love others above all else. And as a quick note, Erickson was recently discharged from the hospital and he survived the ordeal. In this final week of our sermon series, we've been looking at the Apostles' Creed, those, those words of, what do I believe? And we find ourselves on the third aspect, the third part of the Trinity, the Spirit. Now, I think sometimes as Presbyterians, include myself in this, that we are probably a little guilty of leaving the Spirit out of our conversations, out of our prayers, maybe out of our worship, maybe even our understanding of God. 
This may be due to discomfort or maybe a feeling of ignorance surrounding the spirit, or maybe it's fear or terrified at what the spirit might ask us to do. Or maybe it's that whenever the spirit seems to show up in the New Testament, there's a little bit of chaos and a little bit of disorder, and us as Presbyterians, like, we're right and orderly in our worship. But let me say, we're not alone in our sometimes dismissive behavior towards the Holy Spirit. Even the Apostles' Creed barely mentions the spirit it starts off acknowledging god as creator god who created the heavens and the earth the cosmos and the stars everything beautiful that we see and touch we we can know that god is creator that's something we can tangibly see and hold on to it says we believe in jesus christ jesus christ we know that historical figure the stories we have how he came to earth, how he lived with people, how he worked miracles, how he taught, that he's born, he suffered, he died, and he resurrected. And then the Apostles' Creed gets to the Holy Spirit, and we're like, all right, teach me about the Holy Spirit, Apostles' Creed. And it says, we believe in the Holy Spirit. And then that's it. Like, that's where it cuts off. And it's like, seriously? That's it? That's all we get? But I think to dismiss the spirit for whatever reason really hinders our understanding of God and God's work in the world and our lives. And the scripture we read today, the spirit is described as a few things. One of those aspects is spirit as indweller, one who both is in God and is in us. The spirit who is and knows the mind of God that lives in our hearts, our minds, our conscious. And because of this indwelling, we will never, ever be alone. We will never be orphaned. We will never be abandoned. In our life and in our culture, I think we've seen an increase of isolation, be it due to illness, technology, social anxiety, that little thing called COVID-19. I think we're living in a society that's more lonely than ever. But this passage reminds us that the spirit will never leave us. The spirit will hold us and keep us even when our partner says something that really frustrates us. Even when our friends let us down and may hurt our feelings or Maybe a child isolates themselves from us and we're not sure why. The spirit is with us in that loneliness and in that confusion. And that's incredibly good news. Good news for anyone, but especially, I think, for our culture who's crying out to be heard and to be known. Another way the spirit is described is as an advocate, Now, the Greek word is paraclete, which means advocate, intercessor, counselor, comforter, helper. It's made up of two Greek words, para, which means next to or beside, and clete, to make a call, to, to make a call about something. So it's someone who's close enough to you, close enough beside you, close enough to the situation to make the right judgment, to make the right call. The spirit in your life is the spirit of truth who is calling you towards righteousness, towards justice, toward the love of God and the love of other. 
The word paraclete is also talked about to describe uh, lawyers or attorneys, someone who offers you counsel, counselor. And I found that at least in my life, it often takes a lot of work to hear that counselor's voice. From distinguishing it from my own whims and desires, the other voices that are thrown at me or the own, my own voices in my own head. But then the difficult part is even after we discern the Holy Spirit's counsel, the Holy Spirit's voice, is to act on what the Spirit says. But the Holy Spirit is there and dwelling within us, pointing us towards goodness. And by goodness, I mean God's goodness, not our own goodness. It's sometimes at odds with what we want in a particular situation. For instance, I'm sure that the Finland soccer fans desperately wanted their team to win last Saturday. This is still, COVID is still very real and so only about 20,000 people were allowed in the stadium. So these were the super fans, the ones who have waited. The European championships were supposed to be held last year. They've waited 15 months to go to this event. Yet, in that moment, the conviction, the realization that there was something more important than what they thought was important to them. Their country's flag, the pride of what they have, of why they went, was trivial in comparison with the suffering of a beloved child of God. And this is, that's what the Spirit does. As the, Spirit, as the passage says, the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth who throughout the day reminds us, counsels us, advocates for what is truly important in our life, the greatest of those commandments to love God and to love others. The transformative work of the Spirit is taking us, moving us from ignorance or selfishness or maybe just laziness to actionable love in the world. So if the Spirit is just something you just can't wrap your head around, it's just not really something you're jazzing on because it seems too ethereal or other or maybe spooky, I urge you to meditate on the Spirit of God. Meditate on the breath of God. But if that isn't enough, here's something concrete for you to hold on to throughout the week. If you're going about your day and you have this random thought, this random idea that you know is not yourself because it's telling you to be kind to that person that kind of annoys you, I have really bad news. That's probably the spirit. If you get this sudden urge to pray this week, to pray for maybe a leader of an opposition political party, to pray for someone you don't really like, I have bad news. That's probably the spirit calling you. If you get the urge to call someone that you've been concerned about for a while and they've popped up in your head over and over, but you haven't really wanted to call because you think it might be awkward or it might be uncomfortable, that's the spirit in your life calling you to love. So my challenge this week, church, is if you hear 
the urging, the counsel, the nudging of the Spirit is don't run away or stuff it into that dark crevice of your mind that you don't go to, but listen and act. And if it seems terrifying, pray to the Spirit for help. Because in addition to advocate and counselor, Spirit is also comforter and with you. Because that's how the Spirit works in the world, is through each one of us. Through each lovable action we do towards others and towards God, that is the Spirit working in the world. That is kingdom building in the name of the Spirit. Alleluia. Amen.